Hi, podcasting from New York. They say if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. This is Pushing Boundaries. Most of today's commentary on complex social issues is binary, unproductive, and flat-out lazy. With this podcast, I'm looking to hopefully elevate these conversations, and as a lifelong educator, hopefully learn a few things along with you. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of Pushing Boundaries. The topic for today is uh, virtual schools. I want to say happy holidays, uh, Merry Christmas, um, Happy New Year. Great to be back in the new year, 2021. So with the topic today of virtual schools, there are a lot of issues here. Um, Not issues, I say challenges, right? Um, Just glass half full. Um, Coming from out of New York City, we have uh, some challenges. And all of the major cities are going to have the same challenges, you know. Some of the positives is that we have a a vaccine that's now out, and people are being vaccinated, and that's growing across the country. But the only concern with the vaccination is that, is the vaccination a cure-all? Are we going to have to continue to wear masks and socially distance? And I'm thinking that the answer to that is yes. If the answer to that is yes, then our school systems are still going to have to reimagine themselves in terms of how we uh, become operational and we, we find a new normal in terms of how the kids engage learning. Right. And this is from K through college. Right. Uh, All levels, because, you know, one of the things that we depended on before the pandemic is is having being able to serve large amounts of people in small spaces that may be um, separated by some by certain containment. But it's a lot of people entering small spaces to get some sort of uh, knowledge. Right. and with the pandemic saying this is unacceptable in terms of, you know, proximity to other people, we're going to have some challenges in terms of how our kids learn and how adults learn going forward. You know, in New York City, we have a density issue in terms of, you know, when you get on the train, it's crowded, you know. And I'm telling you, it's crowded to the fact that you can be pasted against a subway door. You know, it's crowded to the point that... Um, the platforms are fully crowded to the point that you are standing near the, the yellow line, which is the edge of the uh, platform before the train arrives. It's crowded to the point that sometimes you can't even get on a single train because it's just already crowded from a, a prior stop. Um, it's crowded in terms of when you go into school buildings, you have school buildings that have anywhere from 5,000 students in the building. And it's extremely tight in the hallways in terms of how kids move. We're talking about anywhere from a high school, 34 kids in a classroom to an elementary school, 25. And to a college classroom to 25, right? And so, and if in the college classroom, if you're talking about science classrooms and your large lecture halls, you're talking about 600 people in a single room. This right now is not an option, and it may not be an option for another year. So how do we reimagine schools or create virtual schools or remote platforms that can address the blended learning, the remote learning, and become actually virtual, right? And schools without walls, essentially in a real way, schools without walls. Now that concept does exist right now, the school without walls. Um, and it's it's a di- different concept. It's more of like a large space 
where um, you can have multiple instructors in, a, in one space, an open room, and they're dealing with various different content. And uh, this, you know, you can look around the room, you can see everybody learning um, and with different focus areas. That's that's the uh, classroom without walls. But in this case, it's 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 even taking it further classroom without walls and or a classroom that doesn't exist in any facility or any standard structure or any brick and mortar. It becomes a virtual school, a school that happens anywhere, anytime. Right. Um, so we think about that. We think about the amount of people that live in the city. And that's why New York City is losing so many people in the city, because it's almost impossible for you to socially distance. Right. Because there's not a lot of space uh, for people to um, get around, uh, to move around, to exist, to coexist for more than 15, 30 minutes without becoming crowded. Right. And so that's what our schools are facing. And if we if we're going to meet the challenge successfully, we have to think, we have to look at certain things of a virtual school in order to create a virtual school. We're going to have some serious, we have to think about our spatial limitations, right? We, we have to think about creating learning cycles. Now, we, we're trying that in New York City in terms of the A schedule, B schedule, C schedule, and having kids come in for two days and other kids come in for two days and kids off for three days and some kids on a Friday. And we're trying, you know, creative approaches to create learning cycles, right? And then there's the reimagining of space. And reimagining space, we mean, so if kids are, if kids are coming in and we have smaller numbers, so if you have a, a large school or a school of 700 and you're only allowing 130 kids to come in a day and you're dividing them amongst the, the building um, in different various classrooms and so that they're not passing each other in the hallways and, and that, you know, lunch is, is captive and, you know, meals are being brought to them or, or similar with college classes where, you know, a college, a university have where you have 5,000 and you allow 1,000 to come to the building, right? So how do you cycle in, you know, 5,000 when you only allow 1,000 a day? So that means that everyone gets one day of instruction, right? <clears throat> and how do you create one day of instruction in a way that um, the way people move in a, in a school um, doesn't uh, violate social distancing, right? Or um, there's opportunities for people to take breaks from masks or opportunities for... Um, for people to to socially engage and, and be in pro close proximity to one another in a safe way, right? Um, and this, so these are questions in terms of how you create these learning cycle and reimagine spaces, right? Um, we know that that there's there may be an opportunity here, and I'm not going to talk about. I'm going to just tell you straight up here that this is going to be like multiple episodes because I can't cover everything today. What what I am going to get into is some of the challenges and some of the first steps that we need to take to try to address and create virtual schools. Um, <clears throat> when we talk about the real estate in New York City with some of these buildings, because there was an urban plan happening in New York City, which was leading to uh, gentrification, right? There was there was a, a belief that the demand in New York City was gonna be so great that they needed to keep, keep creating spaces for people to live and coexist. And that came in the form of corporate buildings, corporate entities, and also real estate in terms of where people lived. Um, and so now with the, the pandemic, uh, uh, you know, side uh, uh, tracking that that plan, that urban plan, we gotta, we're going to have many empty spaces in corporate facilities and we also have them in schools. So now that you have these empty spaces of real estate, what are we going to do with them? Right. Are we going to leave them empty or is it an opportunity to um, 
to push this virtual school concept. And we'll talk about that in another uh, episode. Then is it, you know, there's also a need for satellite spaces, right? Um, everybody's home is not ideal to remote learning or virtual school. Um, some people are fortunate to live in large homes and, and have multiple bedrooms and a few people living in it. And that's a luxury. Um, the majority of people in New York City are living in very uh, close spaces uh, with multiple people who are sharing um, amenities. And I mean amenities within the space, right? I'm not talking about going outside of the space and going down to the pool and the tent. No, no, no. I'm talking about the kitchen. I'm talking about the bathroom. You know, I'm talking about taking a shower. I'm talking about the, the living room. The living room may be even a space that is rented and available for a roommate, right? So the room, the living room may be a couch that's a pull-out couch and somebody's living in it. And the room, a room may be, you know, a closet may be another room that somebody's living in. And it's really just because New York City, we have such high prices in terms of rent, uh, even mortgage. Well, not rent, I should say rent. Um, and mortgages are high too, but rent, you know, you need multiple people with the kind of income that people are pulling in in the city to pay that, right? And to be able to, to live and, and be able to, you know, coexist and, and provide for their well-being in terms of food, you know, shelter, clothing, transportation you need all of those things right now with this with this pandemic is causing everybody to have to live and work remote but it's causing it's creating a tension on how well we offer remote learning remote work because uh, remote work is a little more flexible in that you know you can do it anywhere and most people are equipped with the technology to if you're working remotely your employer has provided a way for you to do that anywhere um, schools are trying to do that, but the difference is that um, children have to be supervised, and so often than not, because they have to be supervised, they're going to be um, assigned to their homes. And when they're assigned to their homes, they need supervision, which is going to require an adult to be there also, right? Because even the transitions of remote learning between shifting from classrooms to following a schedule to reminding your child to stay on, on task, and then you reminding yourself to stay on task and managing your own schedule requires that you coexist in this space, right? Um, or if you're with, you know, roommates, it's requiring you to have quiet spaces that you can have conversations, right? Um, it's almost like, you know, you ha you're on a stock exchange floor, right? On a trading floor in your home, right? Because everybody is talking on Zoom or having a virtual meeting and there's chatter, constant chatter going on and the exclamations and and excitement and ups and highs and lows and that's happening all at once which is distracting when you're trying to uh, carry out your business and maybe this is not some of the the, the conventional forms that are uh, conventional ways that you um, had or handled business previously so <clears throat> so we need satellite spaces we need spaces and some people are coming up with these ideas where they uh, have uh, storefronts and they rent out spaces that you can come in and you can work for the day. Some people have gone to gyms and, and sat in, in lounge areas. And so, they, you know, some people are sitting outside when it was warm, you can sit outside and you can host your meetings outside or, you know, you, you can find other platforms or other environments to do that. Um, it's very difficult now with the restaurant, um, the, 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 uh, the, the, um, they're, 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 um, uh, let me, what's the word I'm looking for there because there are, um, restrictions on restaurant seating, and the weather is not ideal. These they've they've less left less places 
um, to have satellites, to offer satellite spaces to work. And I'm talking, you know, for college students, for um, students, students who are in primary and secondary school, and I'm talking about people who are working remotely. Right, so this is a challenge, spatial limitations. Uh, number two, accessible experts, right? Accessible experts. And so teachers, you know, because um, remote learning has put a different strain on schools and colleges, there are more students having to deal with one teacher, right? Um, it used to be, you know, when you walk into a brick and mortar that you'd have a schedule, right? And they, these, these students would be clustered into, a, you know, components or, or times of day, right? And that's how you kind of filter the amount of students or the demand on a single teacher. Well, because there are so many students and the system is so large in New York City and in our college systems, teachers are required to take on a, a greater caseload. And in that greater caseload, there are still legalities in terms of how much they can handle in terms of workload. They can't do it all. And so now, we, in terms of leaving, you know, um, focusing on quality, we're dealing with quantity, right? And, and so the quality is, is being um, lost. And so now we have to rely on video instruction, right? Something that's recorded. Um, if we offer a live instruction, um, it's a live instruction, but it's live instruction almost like a video recording because the amount of input or engagement that can happen from students is greatly reduced because the professor can't handle but so much in a remote platform. You know, there are multiple things that are happening in a remote platform. And in a remote platform, one of the things that's happening is that there's a chat room that's happening. If the, if the professors by themselves, we all know that if you're looking at Teams or you're looking at Zoom, that chat room is difficult when you're trying to do some sort of PowerPoint or some sort of presentation and field questions and you're trying to run a chat room. It's not ideal for you to do that as a single person, right? Not the way the platforms is designed currently, right? And so this is a challenge. Um, the other thing is that how many hands can we raise if you're dealing with 60 students in a room? Right, or if you got 300 people that are listening to a lecture, how many hands can we raise? I mean, it's already difficult in a brick and mortar, but it's even more difficult uh, in a chat room, right, or some sort of virtual platform. And so, how do we stretch the reach of our teachers, right? How do we expand uh, the expertise in a way that everybody's getting quality instruction and can get access to answers, right, and can raise questions and can get into a dialogue with someone who knows. Or someone who has is an expert in it, right? Um, <clears throat> group, small group instruction. How does it exist? Where does it exist? It's a need for it, right? It's a need for it. And how small do we go? You know, we know that when we get over, you know, six to eight students, we start in in a, in a virtual world. We start getting into uh, the mud, right? And things start looking unclear. Um, and we know that if you are in an environment where you are in a remote classroom as a an adult student in a college setting or a student in a secondary and primary setting, we know that the attention span is very difficult for kids in terms of sitting at a computer all day long. Adults can't even do it. Um, although we can do it when we binge watch uh, Netflix or something like that. Um, learning pods. Learning pods are something that is 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 being, um, I mean, it's being experimented right now. People are doing it. People are doing it with various different curriculums, right? And, but there are, you know, in terms of standards, there are no standards for it right now because the standards are on hold because how do you test? Right now, test was done in a brick and mortar. 
most mostly right to um, secure the uh, the quality and the um, the confidence of the test right you got to make sure people are not cheating right you got to make sure that that everybody has an equal setting and so everything is equal and that everybody has a the equal chance and access to the test and so now you have a challenge where people don't have there's not equal access right in terms of what's happening in people's homes in terms of the quality of the environment for testing you know uh, the technology that's available for testing you know um and the instruction now through these learning pods to help them meet this the uh the expectations of testing right because right now remember this is not quality this is quantity there's a lot of things happening that are up in the air it's like these we're juggling these balls and they're up in the air but we really haven't um begin to uh, really look at them in a very clean and clear way to make sure that they're um strong sound instructional programs right and then the last thing is you know we watch on television holograms i'm surprised that you know we you know, I know AI, they're working in, in artificial intelligence. They, they're doing a lot of work in many areas. But I'm so surprised that we haven't begun to use holograms. And holograms in terms of access, you know, in terms of another way. Because, the you know, there's one way in terms of the streaming videos and, and Teams and Google Meet and, and Zoom. But what about holograms, right? And it's almost like, you know, you can have this, this um, artificial social interaction, you know, with with a, with an expert or a teacher, right? Um, just want to consider. So these is, that's the second challenge. The third challenge is, which I spoke to somewhat in, a, in uh, experts being accessible, is standardization. Standardization versus creative approaches to remote learning. So <clears throat> one of the, the biggest challenges, another, no, not one of them, but another biggest challenge of virtual learning is that Standards that were developed in a brick and mortar are not coming or being translated and communicated cleanly in the remote platform or the blended platform, right? If some things are being lost in translation, of course, on the we know that we just talked about the construct the instructional component is is suffering right now, um, and then it's the how do you communicate task? How do you communicate? expectations how do you communicate these standards through a remote platform to everyone in a way that they can do it without being in your arena or your space right um meaning if the textbook says you know we're using a textbook and we say by uh december like it's going forward we say by february 2nd everyone should uh, be able to do a certain thing in a content area how do you first make this happen through a remote platform in a very clean and clear way? Then how do you assess it in a very clean and clear way? And then how do you know how to move in a very clean and clear way in a remote platform? Now we know how this works in a standard space. We know how standard standardization works. Um, but we know that we are in a place where we have to, we have to play. We have to, we have to play and we have to create um, new ways of learning, right? And because we know standardization doesn't communicate in a very clean way in this remote, in a virtual school, we have to figure out now creatively how do we create new standardizations in a virtual school that are flexible, right? Flexible because you have no walls, right? There's no physical structure. There's no 
schedule, right? And so here are some challenges with, with the standardization. In the standardization, you, there's a common curriculum. There's nothing wrong with a common curriculum because that means everybody's on the same page, right? So everybody's on the same page. But we know that with common curriculums, common curriculums have to be modified based on the environment, right? So what's what's happening in New York is not the same thing that's happening in Chicago or happening in uh, Dallas, Texas, right? Or, or Texas as a, as, as a state. Different things are influencing what matters in those different states. There are certain things that we all need to know as, as being American citizens, but there are things, there are nuances in each state that has to be added to the curriculum, which then makes it uncommon, right? Then there are common assessments. We already know that with Common Core and all that, we've had issues with, you know, there are pros and cons to having it and not having it, right? Those common assessments and how the common assessments exist on remote platforms and are being uh, implemented in a very honest and fair way, right? Because we haven't, you know, and, and this tells you a lot because SATs, ACTs, and any exam that you had to walk into a room to take our state licensing exams have been suspended or waived because we can't protect the quality, the integrity of the exam or the integrity of the exam, right? That was in a standardized practice. That standardized practice is having challenges now on this remote platform. So that's an example of it. Common schedules. You know, you have a class at eight o'clock. You have a class at 12 o'clock for college. You have a class at 3 o'clock. Or on Tuesdays, you have two classes. Or on Wednesday, you have, and Fridays, you have one class, right? But now, in a remote platform, that class is available all the time. That class is available all the time. So I can get up at 1 o'clock and begin an 8 o'clock class. Even though it's on my schedule for 8, that doesn't mean I'm going into that classroom at 8 because that professor may not be offering a live practice at 8 p.m. They're offering the class Hypothetically, on a schedule, I see times, but that's not what I'm plugging in because on the back end of that, the professor is not able to sustain that effort in a remote environment from where they are. So therefore, that inv- that's not happening. That standardized practice of scheduling is not happening. So people are doing homework, are doing assignments at 2 in the morning, 4 in the morning, 6 a.m., 3 p.m., 10 p.m., 10 a.m., 4 and 8 o'clock class. This is the same thing that is also happening in primary and secondary schools, right? So the standardization in terms of schedules, the common schedules, no longer exist. Kids are engaging whenever and wherever they feel like. And the same with college students. The only thing, the only, the only practice that has not changed is the, um, the work schedule for, for many people, right? So the work schedule is what it is. We get up. You engage your computer, you get it, you get into your work, and then you you cut it off. But in some cases, that's starting to bleed the lines now. It's starting to become a little blurry in that area too, because bosses are getting away from the standardized standardized structure of, you know, a, 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 a eight hour shift. They're looking at productivity. They just want the work, right? And so they want the assignment or the task or the project. And so, how whenever you do it, is on you. They have it now. What they're doing now is they have a check in. You check in with me. We're going to have a, a meeting on Monday. We're going to follow up on what everybody's been doing. We're going to share out and things like that. So that's different. So that's, called, that's causing a bleeding in terms of where people are doing their work now. And so now there's blurred lines in terms of what's work time versus what's family time, right? So 
that's that's one of the challenges with the the matriculation of standardized practices or common practices into a virtual or remote platform, right? So, and then there's the other thing. There's, there's you know, there's questions about promotion driven by biology, right? Does it work in a remote platform? If if I'm if I'm a certain of a certain age and I'm 10, 12, and I've mastered a task or an assignment, or, or I can handle, um, I can handle algebra, and I'm ten years old, and I'm able to do it because I've, I've mastered all of the other mathematical concepts, and I can do algebra. Why do I? Wh- where am I in this in this work? Am I in a holding pattern because I have to spend a certain amount of days in a content area or a subject of study in order to reach promotion? Right. Because that because was what people may not know is that in colleges and also um, primary, secondary school, there's something called seat time. And in seat time, you're required to spend a certain amount of time in physically in. Side a classroom or learning process. Right. And that's through it. And the learning process has to be captured through your physical attendance in order to get credit. Right. Now. With the remote platform, remote platform, and it being uh, more fluid, a student can spend one day, a week's worth can spend that you know instead of a, uh, taking a class for five hours in five days, right? So five hours in five days, an hour per day, they can do five hours in one day for that class in a re- in a virtual learning platform. They can spend another five hours in another classroom and satisfy the requirements of that classroom. Now, how is that being measured? Because now it's not physical in terms of you being there day by day. So that is another challenge with standardized, not matriculating to a virtual platform, right? Promotion is driven by biology because I'm six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 13. We're going to keep it from elementary to primary, uh, to, uh, sec- to primary school, right? We're not going to go to high school. It's a little different. But from that age, there's a large part of social promotion, right? My age, what's developmentally appropriate? When should I be promoted? You know, when should I be move on? Should I move on with my class? You know, and and as you, as those children get deficiencies on the way up, they're supported through tutorial and supports on the way to try to enhance them and bring them up to where everybody else is if they're falling behind. But they they continuously move with their uh, peer group until they reach high school where it's more standardized in terms of now you have to meet these tests and you have to meet these accomplishments. You have to meet the seat time and all these things in order to get a diploma, right? That's where your hard stop is your four years in high school. However, that's good. That's being challenged now because we don't, we're not looking at biology when we look at a virtual classroom because these kids are not amongst their peer groups. They're actually in isolated environments with their family group, right? And so now the rates of learning could change. The dynamics of learning could change. And so what's to say, what's the stopgap and how much can they can. So so instead of being a restriction on kids and saying you can only do but this much by this time, we have to remove the restrictions or not. But this is a challenge. Right. Um, and then the other thing is with, with when if we're trying to be competitive and we want our kids to be uh, technologically savvy. There are questions that that that, that remain. Artificial intelligence is always allowed to learn. Artificial intelligence has the advantage because it's allowed to learn 24 hours a day. 24 hours a day, that brain is on. 
Our brains are actually on 24 hours a day too, even in our sleep. But we have a lot of distractors that are getting in the way in terms of what we learn, right? It's not as specific as AI because AI, you can say, I want you to learn a lot. I want you to learn this. I want you to focus on this. You know, our brains are not, we're not wired that way. We, we got a lot of different things open. So, you know, we become like, a, like everybody, I think essentially all of us are a jack of all trades because we have to learn how to live. Now, we may be a specialist in an area of our lives, but we have to be a jack of all trades in order to manage ourselves, right? And, and to be able to do multiple things around something specific that we specialize in, right? So, but our brains get tired and we have to take a nap. We have to rest. We have to shut down. That's why we need, we're required to have sleep, whereas AI keeps going. However, with virtual schools, who's when this, who's, who's, when, when do we say when? When do we say that's enough learning? When do we say you have to stop learning? When do we say it's too much? When do we say it's beyond our human capability? Where's the limitation that we put on ourselves in a, in a virtual platform? Because right now, with things bleeding across lines and there's no, no clear delineation between work and play and, and work and school and play and work and school and all those things, when do we stop learning, right? And so we become similar to um, artificial intelligence because we're learning constantly. Now, what you learn is, is really greatly dependent on your family and what's happening in your home because they have to structure the conditions for you to continue to learn in the right ways. Right. Um, we know that also there's a major piece here. There's social emotional learning. Right. And social emotional learning for all of us as adults, as children. You know, how do we socialize? How do we how do how do we come together? Right. We know that we are in a crisis in this country with the growth of tribalism and separatism and ethnocentrism and and, and racism and discrimination. We, we're at a crisis in this country and we're, at, you know, we're in crosshairs. Um how do we address the social emotional, the socialization, right? Based on the American um, psychological standards for child development or adult development. You know, how do we continually grow and develop ourselves in these virtual platforms? This is a challenge. In fact, that would be, that would be a fourth area. You know, that's, that's in the area by itself, you know. Um, so I'm going to make that a fourth area is you know, our socialization, right? And how do we continue to be human? What makes us human is, is, is our belonging to one another and our ability to adapt and, and, and create, um, you know, evolve our circumstances to continue to exist, right? Um, and we're going to have some challenges with that in this virtual platform because um, remember, if we're getting, if we're not standardized in, in social emotional learning based on American um, psychological standards, for adolescents or from children or child development is the is the first step in terms of how we become citizens, right? It is the first step in terms of how they normalize our practices to coexist. It is the first step in terms of how we become humans based on that definition. It is a first step in terms of how we have we develop what are feelings, right? And 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 etiquette. And a proper way to coexist and live together. This is going to be challenged in a virtual school. And where does it play out in an effective way in a virtual school? Because I'm going to tell you right now, the way virtual schools are happening right now, at all levels, and even the work environment, is you got a lot of people staring at screens, right? And they're not really engaged. You got a lot of people who are, um, you know, who are finding alternative ways to learning because it's not effective to do it through a meeting, a Teams meeting, a Google meet, right? Um, and they're not really, it's not working. So in, when you talk about the highest level of an, of an instructional um, technique, 
the the live uh, not the live instruction but the virtual rooms are not providing the highest level for children or adults to learn even in meetings a lot is being lost people are actually doing more independently of meetings than they are doing by sitting in meetings that are virtual right so what not that you know like the brady bunch we're looking at screens and we're all on the screen and we're all in there but how much are we moving in that session how much are we able to um get done what's the highest leverage what's the percentage of productivity in that room right during that time a lot of us are getting more done with what we're doing independently right and we i mean and and, and in terms of the 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 um the value of the virtual room is more or less more controlled than uh productivity right and so to think about it in the same way of work environment and learning environment it's the same way and a lot of people our children are opting out of it and so are um adults learners and so are our instructors opting out of it as a way to leverage learning or teaching right and so we have a challenge there that is a challenge so there's our challenge and let's flip this and let's go to, you know we got we got the four areas but i want to i want to go Back to standardization, because standardization, I wanted to talk about standardization versus a creative culture for remote learning, right? And that is the other side of this. So that's the the, the, the fifth challenge is a creative culture for learning, right? And so how do we learn the way people are learning today, the way we all learning today? And we're, really, all of us are learning today through morsels. I was listening to, um, you know, I heard this from uh, a... a um, HBO uh, series called Succession. You gotta you just love it. You gotta check it out. Um, and they would, you know, it's it's a media company, and and the whole conversation here is a media company that is based on newspapers and your uh, regular television, like your channel, your channel four, five, two, four, five, six, seven, eight. Your your news channels, your news channels, wherever that be in your in your state or your country, your news channels, right? Your anchors, your, you know, your, your physical formats, your brick and mortars. And people are getting away from that, right? People are not buying your standard newspaper, your New York Times, your Wall Street Journal. They're not buying it standard. Like, they're not buying up paper and it's not landing on their doorstep. You know, they're, they're saying that people that that um, that um are watching the news and watching all day, uh, you know, are of age of like 60 and above, right? And so many of them are reliant on these news channels, but... The majority of the population have moved away from those mediums and moved away from newspapers and they're getting their information from morsels or bite-sized chunks of information that comes across a dashboard or, or a news thread, right? And as they as they get this 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 catalog or this collage of headlines, they get to pick and choose and self-select in and out as they need it, right? And depending on what they often select, then they can subscribe to that paper virtually and they can get that information. Um, some people have subscribed and some people haven't. Some people continuously, you know, are looking through the news thread, which can be a, a composition of the Internet or um, formerly newspapers or other f- mediums, podcasts, other mediums to get their collection of information. And that's how they're getting their news. And so people are beginning to and, and, and I talked about this in an episode earlier 
about, you know, censorship, right? And about people wanting to get away from censorship from the internet. The internet, you know, because the internet, we know the internet compiles all of the data about us and then they keep us in a lane or a pathway for what they think we want. And that depends on the day for us because we are humans. We, we want to think flexibly, right? We have patterns and routines, yes, but sometimes we want new things. And it makes it hard to do when you're um, designed to be put in a box, right? And so what's happening is people are flipping through the on their phones and they're going through these threads of news clips and then they kick they select in based on interest and how they feel that they are what's you know what's what's trending and then you know and that's how people are are, are creatively getting information right and that's how people are creatively learning the other thing is people are not reading five pages of news for anyone they're not reading five pages of news right they're not listening to one hour of news on a certain item or people are getting away from news that is trying to shape that's trying to shape their thinking right uh, news that, that that's pushing bigotry and racism and 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 injustices and people because people are more conscious socially conscious about social injustices today and so people are selecting things that 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 are adapting to their desires right and and so they're selecting in and selecting out of things and things are becoming to beginning to die right um and so that's where we have to deal with the creative approaches and with learning. Learning has to now come to our virtual learners, our virtual platforms, from our adult learners and to our children learners, to children. Uh, it has to be bite-sized morsels. It has to be in a way that it's brief, succinct, and informative, right? Um, it has to offer a menu of learning. Right. And some of the people that are ahead of this, the curve on this is Khan Academy, Apex. Right. Has to have a menu of learning that they can negotiate and they can rearrange based on what they need, because you don't need everything. Some things I don't have to learn because it's not important as a building block for other things. It's just something that was on a curriculum, a standardized curriculum. But maybe it's not useful anymore in this remote platform because I have this amount of time that I have to move an agenda. Right. And so uh, I got to think about this again. Um and now I need morsels of information and I need a menu of how to self-select in and out of what I need to learn, right? 24-hour um, schools have to exist now because I already spoke about it earlier. People are going to classes and, and engaging instruction and, and at different times of day. And so you have to have the 24-hour school. In a brick and mortar, it does not allow that because we have costs. We have overhead costs. And it's not allowing that. But, but outside of a brick and mortar, and companies are realizing this outside of a brick and mortar, there's a you know a huge expense cut for having people use their own energy right to produce right um, and so there's there's a there's a um, and we're gonna have to probably negotiate that at later at later time when you work from home and you're not in their shelter like they you know maybe there has to be some sort of credit to um, you know you using you know, electricity and creating the comforts that you need to work air conditioning heat and things like that during the day. Right, because you are on someone else's time and you're dedicated to that. But we have to have some um, some some give and take in terms of how that works. Um, and then there's the the we have to use in the creativity. We have to we have to begin to create assignments and tasks that extend on the environment that people live in. Right, and so we have to use the environment that people are working and living in to extend learning. Right, and so. You don't have a standing gym, so how are we going to get physical education? Where is that going to take place? 
what space can we use to do that? And how do we get outside and we, we, we get some air and we, we exercise, right? Exercise is important. How does exercise remain in our curriculums, right? You know, how do we work on uh, group projects, right? How do we get this done? How do we work on group projects? How do we, how do we move the agenda in terms of, you know, I, we need to work on this together. We need to communicate. Well, we need to do this in a real way because we have to, we have to physically we design things, right? And how do we do that? How do we uh, everybody get in on something that we have to design and then it comes together as one piece that we can present in a, in a virtual school? That is going to be challenging, right? Um, the mastery of base learning. So we talked about, is it, you know, I have to spend a certain amount of time in this in order to move on? Or is it when I show mastery that I know it, I can do it, you've assessed me, I can move on. So it, there's no time allocation to this. It's about if I sh- have mastery. Now, people don't like this is because it's hard to uh, record everybody's mastery, right? And and some people could be way ahead, some people way behind, and what's good and what's bad and what's the baseline and all of these things have to be created, right? And if somebody's way ahead and they and so you get it, you get it, you know. And and this is what I like about um, uh, many Caribbean countries is that when they go to school, they go as far as they want to go, right? And they they have so far advanced in terms of our American schools, you know, in so many different ways. And because they they you know if they can learn it, they give it to them. If they can learn it, they give it to them. They don't hold them back, and they put they don't they don't take the biology, and they put and then put it on you know a place that on learning as a limitation on learning. Right, your biology is your biology. You may be small, you may be little, you may be immature, but if you can learn this, I'm going to keep, let you keep learning it. Right, and so we have to look at that in a virtual school. What about the biology? Promotions driven by biology. Um, and so we, we, we have a situation where where we have to learn also, you know, we have to think about learning. We have to look at Google, right? We have to look at, you know, places like Amazon. We have to look at places like Facebook, right? The, this is the new world, right? And we have to learn through resolving problems, right? Making it better, improving on something that we've already had. And how are we learning that? In, in our standard uh, structure, the brick and mortar. You know, it's almost like a dead zone where um, our learning is limited and we have to stay in a structure. But, you know, as we know in this remote platform, this virtual learning, there is no structure. You know, right now the sky is the limit in terms of creativity, you know, if you, if you keep your mind, if you push your mind there, in terms of what you can do and how you change your life and how you live. And how do you how do you, you you build structures and rethink things and how you know and and this is one of the things that schools are struggling with again, um, adult learners, adult learners and uh, adolescents and children are struggling with is how to you know learn in these new structures, right? And what I mean by that is how do we creatively problem solve? in places that are internally our environment and without some sort of direct coaching, right? How do we problem solve or create tasks or structures that are going to ask us to apply mathematical concepts, scientific concepts, historical concepts in a way that we can make meaning of that through our own creative approaches inside of our own homes or inside of our learning environments, right? How do we apply those concepts through conversation other than Teams, Google Meet, and Zoom, right? And 
how do we make it intentional, right? Through tech mediums, because we know that if you are really a social media user, it, we're so far ahead of Teams. We're so far beyond Zoom. We're so far beyond Google Meets in terms of Instagram Live, into Facebook Live. In turn, there, there are so many mediums, TikTok, so many mediums in terms of the way we communicate our ideas in very different ways, in very unique ways. And those are the conversations that many of us are having that make sense. And so the other way is kind of like trying to standardize practices, but it's, it's kind of an impediment, right? And so how do we begin to maybe infuse both? Or how do we begin to allow for more opportunities for the more creative approaches, right? So that concludes this, this episode of Virtual Schools. This is episode one, and we talked about uh, five challenges. Uh, I'm not going to give any solutions today, but in the next episode, we'll begin to talk about some of the, maybe the approaches that we can use to address some of these challenges. Thanks for listening to Pushing Boundaries. Once again, my name is Sharif Rucker. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do me a favor by commenting, subscribing, and sharing this podcast with everyone you know. All of these things are free and take very little effort, but would mean the world to me. Thanks again and stay tuned.